Graham to bowl. To Huhu, was there an edge? Yes. And Graham right on line. And the Hobart Hurricanes, they celebrate their 100th WBBL match in style. And this is a team that could do some real damage this season. We see another one straight back over the bowler's head for six. You could not hit a ball straighter than that. Josh Phillippe is putting on a clinic here at the Junction Oval. Here's Merlo. Here's Phillippe. Phillippe goes whack over the fence for six. In front of the grandstand. Here's Phillippe again. This time he gets oh, a full gone. toss. And he's put that 35 metres over the fence for six into the cricket net. Goodness me, what a massive over from Josh Phillippe. A very warm welcome to the Cricket Library Weekly. My name is Matt Ellis and joining me as always, Robbie McKinley. Welcome back. Yeah, Matty, great to be back, mate. Uh, number two for the season and um, yeah, the, the fantastic feedback from uh, a lot of our loyal listeners and new listeners, which is always great. And I must admit, um, it was Tabsy Take who stole the show uh, with his stunning debut. Yeah, and, and great news for everyone listening. Uh, Tabsy will be back with Tabsy's take. He's got some great stats for us to digest a little bit later on in the program. Hoping, too, to speak to Hurricanes superstar Heather Graham. Uh, recently uh, been overseas playing in the 100 and back now at the Hobart Hurricanes, and they're having quite a quite a profitable start to the season, yeah. it must be said, the, the Hurricanes, and a high-quality player, Heather Graham. So looking forward to catching up with her. But, Robbie, in that intro, Josh Phillippe, how clean was he striking them on the weekend in the Marsh Cup fixture down there at the Junction Oval? Well, you know, he really has put his hand up to say, hey, guys, if um, if there's an injury to a wicketkeeper batsman, you know, if Matty Wade or something happens, um, in, when, in white ball cricket, he certainly has got that ability. But, yeah, look, a great game. Though. It was reduced to 36 overs each because of a bit of morning rain there at the Junction Oval. And it was just great to call a game live. It's a fantastic venue and good crowd in. And, yeah, a very entertaining game. Uh, Western Australia, gee whiz, Matty, they have got so much depth in their cricket at the moment. You look at the side they had there and then you look at the players that are in the Australian squad and, you know, and this is this is uh, the male and the female game. They've, they've mm. just got great. Uh, it's it's really emerging, and yeah, Philippi obviously eighty-one or fifty balls, five went over the rope, and six went to the rope. And then he was he was sort of the star at the top, and then in the run chase, it got a little bit tricky at the end. But Cameron Bancroft, who scored a century in the Shield game a few days earlier, he guided the WA lads home with a very nice seventy-eight not out. Um, for them, and but Matty, for mine, another. Oh, oh, it was good to have a look at Scotty Boland in action. Yep. He, he didn't play in the Shield game. Apparently, he's been sort of told play three of the four Shield games. Okay. Um, so quite quite wisely, I think he didn't want to bowl on the Junction Oval wicket. So. <laughs> <laughs> but he he bowled eight overs, one for forty. Looked good, but hey, Matt, there's a young man who continues to impress, and I think. He is the next off-spinner, but the mm. best off-spinning option behind Nathan Lyon. And that is the boy from Moama. And that's Todd Murphy. He took one for 38 or 7. He is a, a real emerging star of Australian cricket. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of very sensible judges agreeing. I, I've really enjoyed watching his emergence onto the first-class scene, Todd Murphy. Love that he wears glasses too, Robbie. That will yes, shock you. I I thought that might hit the sweet spot with you. But, and <laughs> so I try, I try and be as impartial as, <laughs> as I can, but if I if I see a spinner with glasses on, I'm immediately yeah. starting to froth at the mouth a little bit, Robbie. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, great, oh, great, enough, great, great to see him doing well. Uh, a couple of Shield games finished. Uh, some huge, huge runs scored. PSP Hanscom uh, had a had a brilliant game. Double hundred for him. Double hundred for MT Renshaw. I know one of your favourite players, Robbie. Uh, big yep. big raps on him. Uh, and and Shield cricket coming up as well. 
plenty of plenty of shield matches to to get underway. We've got obviously we've got the Marsh Cup game. We've got a Marsh Cup game going on at the moment while we're talking between Tassie and Victoria. They'll they'll go on and play a shield game later yep. in the week, and that game might have started by the time this goes to air. Uh, and then of course the action continues. New South Wales taking on South Australia at the North Dalton Park down in Wollongong. Paul, one of our loyal listeners, uh, a local down in that area, he'll be he'll be salivating at the prospect of Shield cricket returning to North Dalton Park, and of course the Wacker Ground in Perth hosting WA in Queensland. That should be a a fantastic contest there between those two teams. Yeah, and now Maddie, am I hearing rightly that you might be at North Dalton Park? Yeah, there's a there's a very strong rumour circulating that I will be in attendance at North well, Dalton Park I, I, in Wollongong. Well, let's all up the ante a bit further. You will be calling all the action, which is fantastic. It'd be great to hear you. And um, yeah, it's all oh, it's a great venue. It's it's not too far off the um, coast there on on uh, in that North Wollongong area. Beautiful part of the land, and they always put together uh, a good outfield. It's a um, the wicket, I always like. It's got good carry. It's a really good cricket week. So looking forward to that one. And gee, New South Wales, they do need a victory. They are sitting rock bottom at the moment on the Sheffield Shield table, which is 2.66 points. The Queensland Bulls, um, well, look, it's not panic stations for anyone. I'll tell you why, Matty, because at the moment, only three teams have had a win. So <laughs> everyone's played two games. Uh, Victoria continues this amazing run of draws. I think I might have to get Tabsy's take onto this one yeah. and have a little t- take a deep dive, uh, Maddie, and just see how many draws Victoria has played in, in probably the last two or three years. It's an incredible amount. So, um, but yeah, the Shield. It's look, there's so much going on around. You know, the World Cup's on at the moment. How exciting is that? The Aussies had that great win last night. Um, yeah, but yeah, the, the Shield cricket. There's plenty to play out there. And it, it, it will warm up. But the early indicators for me are that I think Western Australia are going to be uh, very hard to beat again. And Victoria, you know, that if they don't win, they don't lose. Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> that's yeah, that's hard to beat, Matty. That's so hard to beat. And it's hard saying that from a New South Welshman. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, you've got to give credit where it's due. And Peter Hanscom, 281 not out. When we did our show last week, we were talking about his innings was emerging. I think he was 170 odd. Not yeah, out. he was. Yeah, um, yeah. He looks good, and I think uh, he is an absolute um, certainty, in my opinion, to tour the subcontinent any time an Australian side goes there for Test cricket in the next couple of years. Yeah, high high quality player, PSP Hanscom, Victoria, and um, runs runs is his currency. Leading run scorer, Sheffield Shield competition yeah. last year, and. Top of the tree this year as well, so plenty of runs being scored, and that's all you can do when you're not in the Can't Australian anymore, first Matt. eleven. That that's all you can do. And Robbie WBBL, I know we've got some WBBL data coming up in Tabsy's take, but you've been calling a fair bit of the action there. What's your take on? Oh, sorry to use Tabsy's line there, oh, <laughs> but, yeah. but what's what, what's been your summation? of the WBBL so far this summer and are you sort of getting a bit of a, a, a read on mm. on the pecking order, so to speak? I, I know last week we didn't have the ladder available and I, I can't seem to find a ladder here at the moment either. Hopefully we'll have the ladder available once the Sydney Thunder are in that top four. Um, I'm happy to talk ladders, but, yeah, I, I, you know, I can't find one well, here at the moment. Great news is, Matty, I've found it and... Well, oh, no. it, wasn't great, <laughs> it wasn't great news last night because at Allen Border Field, that was a great game of cricket between Brisbane Heat and Sydney mm. Thunder. Matty, they threw one away. The Thunder now, they've lost on Duckworth Lewis, but really it was um, a calamitous fielding display. Six chances went down. I have never seen anything like it. Grace Harris, in three consecutive balls, was misstumped miscatch and a miscatch. Mm. It was just quite remarkable. And in the end, and it was a, 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 a female observer in my household um, that may well be my um, my wife, Cathy, commented, yeah. well, they didn't deserve to win that when you put that many chances down. And I thought mm. that was a very good comment from someone who's more 
uh, knowledge about quilting and sewing. And yeah. Wine. But it, it's true. Catches win matches, Maddie. And But look, I like the Brisbane Heat. They probably lucky to win last night, but Charlie Knott um, and co. got the job done last night. Yeah, I, I still like... Yeah, Amelia Kerr was fantastic. A leg spin, I know you like that. But I just think the top three at the moment, Heat, Scorchers, Sixers, don't write the strikers off in fifth place at the moment. Yeah. Like the way they play. It's going to be a really good... I think the, the two Melbourne sides appear to be out of it. Just one win yeah. in, uh, in, the, in the total of eight matches for the Melbourne side. So I think they're just about uh, done there, goose there. But... Um, other than that, the cricket's been fantastic. Um, I'm loving all these internationals in there. Just if look from a Thunder perspective, Phoebe Litchfield's starting to put a few bigger scores mm. together, which is fantastic. Look, they'll be hard. They'll, they'll have their moments, Matty. Don't don't give up on them yet. And I know you oh, never no. do. You never, I you never, never will. will. They've, they've still got eight matches left to play. What they probably need, Matt, is sides like Heat and Scorchers and dominating and winning a lot of games. That'll keep under a chance of making the top five. Keep keep that dream alive. I, I do also like keep it alive. I do also like the look of the hurricanes, Robbie. I I mm. I kind of feel like the existing top four will be the top four. Um at, at the, okay. pos- the possible exception of the Thunder making a, a bit of a late run and sneaking in there somehow. But that's totally biased. Yeah. It may be well, more likely that the strikers are the team more likely to to sneak into that top four. Well, the big strikers got a massive game on Friday, uh, mm. which I'm looking forward to calling that one. Um, they take on the Scorchers uh, up at the Allen Border Field in Brisbane. That, for mine, could be one of the matches of, of the season so far. So, yeah, but, but no, all in all, it, it, it just gets better and better, Matty. It is going along great guns for WBVL. Absolutely loving it. Oh, likewise, Robbie. Time for us to take a quick break on the Cricket Library Weekly. Still to come on the program, we have the second edition of Tabsy's Take. And in just a few moments, we'll be hearing from Hobart Hurricane star, Heather Graham. Hey guys, this is Rani, aka Ramberg, snowboarder and Instagrammer. So I'm here to tell you about a new book today. So this one is for the cricket fans. So my grandfather, he would have absolutely loved this. Uh, It's called For the Love of Cricket, Haiku Poems Inspired by the Summer Game. So as the title suggests, it's for the cricket fans. Um, And it also features haiku poems by Matt Fiction, who is one of the co-authors. Now he's also quite a popular contributor on the Cricket Library podcast, where he's uh, looked up to by many, and he is actually quite well known for these haiku poems of his. So um, yeah, if you read the book, you are in for a little bit of a treat. So if you have a lazy afternoon coming up and you want to do some reading and you love cricket and uh, you also love poetry, this is absolutely perfect for you and I highly recommend it. Um, and all you cricket fans as well, head over to the podcast, the Cricket Library, and show them some love as well. So uh, I hope everyone has a lovely day and until next time. Ah. It's a very warm welcome to the Cricket Library Weekly. Heather Graham, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Well, we love getting to know cricketers a bit better. Our audience loves getting to know cricketers a bit better. And uh, one thing we we really like to know uh, before we start asking about the current stuff is uh, where did your passion for cricket start? How did how did Heather Graham decide cricket was the game for her? Yeah, that's a, um, it's a really good question, actually. I think um, I've got two older brothers that are about a year and a half and three years older than me, four years older than me, and um, I basically just wanted to do whatever they did as the youngest child, so following them all around their different sports that they that they played. Um, and mum was pretty... Um, she was on the committee and that sort of stuff at the cricket club as well. So um, I started playing with my older brothers in, when I was probably about six and they were in probably under 11s or 12s or whatever, just picking up balls, bats, um, and just trying to be involved as much as I could. I don't think I sat down too much as a child. Um, <laughs> so, I've, so I've got my two older brothers to thank for that. And then um, just continued on at that local club for a fair while in Jinlup Kinross Cricket Club. I think um, they were probably a massive part in my upbringing and who I was probably as a, a younger person. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a really cool time in that I was 
I was one of the only girls that played at that club. I was not probably the only girl. Um, and the support that I had then um, was unbelievable. I think just that community, that community feel and that sort of stuff with local clubs and being being able to accept a girl in, in an all-boys team, even back in those days, um, was pretty unbelievable. I know how much time has changed now, but I think um, the way I was just supported by all of them, and that probably might have helped for the fact that my mum was on the committee. Um, <laughs> and, she's, yeah, she can be a pretty um, pretty crazy little Irish lady sometimes, but, no, nah, she's, <laughs> she's pretty good, and she just wanted us to be able to play and do as many sports as we loved. So, um, yeah, my journey started um, probably as a five- or six-year-old down at the local club because of my brothers. Oh, that's awesome. And um, I know you played a bit of indoor cricket as well. When, when did you start? playing indoor cricket? Yeah, I did. I was only, oh, I would have been about 14 or 15, I reckon, um, when I started. And that was um, thanks to a couple of the girls that still play outdoor cricket now and Neil Peshaw and Piper Cleary. Um, they both played indoor cricket and wanted to play at a state level because um, Pesh was pretty well involved and all that sort of stuff. So um, we managed to scrape up a team of us outdoor cricketers and um, we carried on playing indoor for probably a couple, four or five years, potentially. Um, and we'll, we weren't too bad. Yeah, you went pretty well from what I, from what I could gather. The, <laughs> the, the, the WA girls um, uh, had, a, had a pretty good pretty good time there in the indoor cricket. Yeah, we weren't too bad. It probably took us a couple of years to, um, especially myself, to learn actually how to play some indoor shots rather than just play your outdoor shots and keep getting run out in indoor cricket, I reckon. Yeah. Majority of my first season or two, I kept getting run out because I just smash it into the net. You know, you didn't, I wasn't doing those down ups and that sort of stuff. It was about the cover drive and just run and hope to God and never dove in indoor because it was too hard. The ground was too hard. So yeah, um, yeah. And no, then we did have a pretty good team. There was the likes of um, Sarah Fraga Manning and some other players, um, past players from um, the Western Fury, which was called back in the time as well. The outdoor stuff that um, played too. Yeah, yeah. It sounds sounds like um, you, you had a really good introduction into cricket and uh, transitioning into to playing at the elite level. You've you've been involved in some very successful teams. You've won the WBBL, the WNCL. Uh, you've travelled overseas. You've played in the hundred. Um, been a part of the Australian World Cup squad. And I, I'm really interested to know from your perspective. Um, I, I guess on a couple of levels, one being the overseas player and being a part of a new group and what sort of are the key success factors that make a team a winning team from from your experience in the winning teams you've been a part of? Yeah, I think um, the winning teams that I've been a part of have had a core group for a long time. I think I even think back to when I was, um, growing up and playing underage cricket at um, June Lap Kinross, we had a team that played for probably about four, probably actually five or six years uh, altogether. We ended up winning um, three premierships. So I think it, looking back on that, so then looking looking towards um, the Aussie women's team and how successful they've been, it's I guess been able to have that core group of people that have played together, that know each other, that can. Um, enjoy each other's time both on and off the field. I think um, that's probably been one of the key factors that I've seen over my cruising journey so far. And, and how, how do you see the current group at the Hurricanes? It looks it looks like from the outside that a lot of those things are happening there with the, with the team culture at the Hurricanes. Obviously winning the WNCL last year, a lot of the core group cross over and play in the Hurricanes as well. How are you feeling about the vibe at the Hurricanes this summer? Yeah, it's a really good vibe, actually. I think, um, like you mentioned, um, coming off the back of a WNCL title last year and being able to keep a pretty similar core group across the two teams, I think, is a really um, a key feature. I think you can see that in a lot of the one-team, um, I guess, state WBBL teams. I think, um, like the Brisbane Heat and the Scorchers and the Strikers and that sort of stuff, it's all similar girls that play for their state team. So I think being able to have that core group and then being able to bring in um, some really experienced other domestic players, but also those international players as well to just finish the team off. I think um, 
yeah, it's a pretty key thing for a successful team, I reckon. Um, but yeah, the, hurric- the Hurricanes have been going pretty well. I guess we've had the one game that's been washed out already, but I think the way that we've got the vibe around the group and the way that we've been able to gel um, over this last little bit, it's been, um, it's been pretty cool considering this is my first season at the Canes. Yeah, yeah. And um, were you a bit disappointed that you were washed out when you went back home to Perth over, over the weekend? Yeah, I was actually. It's not. It's not every day you get a, a washed out game in um, WA, but I think um, that's probably the nature of how um, climate change and all that sort of stuff is at the moment. I think um, we're seeing a lot of a lot of rain around all of Australia, so I think um, got to got to take what you can get. But it would have been really nice to um, be able to play, obviously, in front of my family and that sort of stuff back home in Perth. Um, but yeah, I was pretty. To be fair, I was pretty nervous at the start. I think. Um, <laughs> I did a pre-match interview and I reckon I was shaking during it. So I think um, even though we played in Sydney the week before, I think going back home to a team that you've just left, um, that's probably no other nervous way to put it. But like I was, yeah, I was shaking in my boots, I reckon. (laughs) (laughs) And coming up, uh, you mentioned going back home to Perth to play. Uh, You've got a game tomorrow against the Sydney Sixers and then, Following that, three games down at Blundstone Arena, um, how does that help the Hurricanes uh, in their build towards the back end of the season, having those three games in a row uh, at home? Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty pivotal. I think um, we've been on the road for a fair bit of um, the start of this WBBL now. So to be able to get home, get in your own bed for a couple of weeks and just be able to play in front of our home crowd, and at our home ground, which is always a belter of a wicket down at Blundstone. I think, um, yeah, it's going to be really exciting. And I know that um, the commercial team have got some um, events around those three games. Um, but the score to do with the Pride Round, we're also having a Pride Round. So we're all pretty excited about that. Um, and hopefully we can, we're going to be able to put on a good show for our, um, our Tassie locals. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Really exciting uh, to, to play at home. And hopefully get a, a, a little bit of a roll on as you, uh, as we head towards the business end of the competition. Before we finish up, uh, Heather, I, I really wanted to sort of get your feel for some of uh, your personal achievements. I know people aren't really good at talking about themselves and their, uh, their own achievements, but you have had some quite significant um, individual achievements uh, in, in a team game cricket. Um, and I just wanted to get your take on as an all-rounder, um, summing up how they sort of stack up. Like you've, you've taken a hat-trick uh, in WNCL. Uh, you've scored 100 at WNCL level as well. And the very rare, rarefied air this is, uh, only, only three players in the 1,000 runs, 100 wickets club in the WBBL. What, what do you kind of reflect on... Um, in, in your own achievements, uh, is it something you, that you you look back on later on, or are, are there things that to you mean a lot as an individual player in a team sport? Um, yeah, probably like anyone else, I absolutely hate talking about myself. I, I hate it, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I hate getting like compliments and that sort of stuff. I don't know how to respond, but to be honest, I think for me as an all rounder, it's one day I might go really well to ball, one day I might go really well to bat. It's There's never the perfect game. So I think um, for me, all those all those achievements are pretty minimal. Depending, like I think it just for me, it matters on how the team's gone. I know like last season, not last season, the season before, it was where I took my hat-trick and cycle, but we didn't make the finals because we lost that game. So for me, that it didn't really matter that I was able to achieve something like that as a person. The fact that the team wasn't able to get across the line that game and make it into the final um, for the WNCL that season. That was pretty heartbreaking. So yep. um, personally, I, I hate I hate those sort of achievements and that sort of stuff. I hate looking at them at the time and that sort of stuff. But I'm sure um, once my career is done, I'll reflect on them. But I think probably um, the biggest one for me, it wasn't make, making a 1,000 runs or getting a 100 wickets or whatever that was. Um, but it was probably more the fact that I was able to um, play my 100th game in a WBBL final at home in front of a pretty big crowd. And to be able to lift that trophy at the end of it, that was something pretty special to top off a, a pretty cool day. I think that group of girls had worked towards 
that for a long time. Um, yeah. And we were so close to so many, so many seasons and making the finals and that so many occasions that that was probably the, a bit of the cherry on top. Um, just as well to just sign off there. It was kind of like my time's done. I've done that there and been able to hold the trophy and it was time for the next challenge. Yeah, a bit of um, emulating a bit of RT Ponting there going well in your 100th game. He he had a pretty okay 100th test match, actually. So um, lifting the WBBL trophy probably doesn't get much better than that for game 100. No, it didn't. Um, it was nice that um, WA was obviously open at that time. We were, allowed to, we were able to get a really good crowd and have family and all that sort of stuff there. So um, not only for us, players but I think for the, the people of WA that was something um, pretty cool and pretty massive that they were able to come out to a sporting event like that and um, be able to see one of their home teams actually lift the trophy. Yeah and speaking of lifting trophies how much would it mean to you as a group at the Hurricanes if if you could um, get your hands on that trophy again? Weber WBBL 08? Oh, it would be incredible. I think um, it'd probably be the perfect way to sign Marshy off. Um, the love and respect that everyone has for him, um, it's unbelievable. And I think the way that um, he's been able to coach us, stand up and coach us girls um, after Sal's, I guess, departure, but also her, her upgrade in, yeah. in cricket Tasmania, that was a pretty big achievement for um, But I think, yeah, the way that Marshy's been able to... Um, come in and lead this team and also the WNCL team as well in those first two games. It's, it's been pretty cool. And I think um, we're obviously really sad that he's going, but what an amazing achievement to be able to become an assistant coach um, for the Aussie team. But yes, yeah, being able to lift that trophy this season, I think um, would be the cherry on top for not only him, but for us. And it'd be a great way to send him off. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of love for Dan Marsh here at the Cricket Library. Former guest on our podcast and wonderful human being, Dan Marsh. And, yeah, yeah we, we, we'd be very happy to see that, even though I am a Sydney Thunder fan. So I have to put that little caveat in there at the end. Uh, Heather, <laughs> th- th- thanks thanks so much for giving us your time uh, the day before a game. Really appreciate you talking to us. Uh, nice to hear a bit more of your background and the story behind uh, your career. And uh, really wish you all the best for the remainder of the season at the Hurricanes and the Tasmania in the WNCL. No worries. Thanks very much for having me on that. Hi, this is Heather Graham, and you're listening to the Cricket Library Podcast. It is now time for Tapsy's Take. Join our resident cricket librarian in Orange as he gives us his take on all of the stats that matter. Let's see what Tabsy has for us today. It is a very warm welcome to our host of Tabsy's Take. Tabsy, welcome back. It's great to be back. I wasn't sure if we are going to get a second run, but uh, the social media must have been very positive of this new segment, Matt. Well, not just social media. The official podcast rankings, the Apple podcast rankings in the United Kingdom saw a huge surge after the debut world premiere of Tabsy's Take. And there was oh, another, another one of our, our panellists wasn't on last week who's actually from the UK. So that is a little bit alarming in itself, I think. But well done, mate. Great first week on the program. And you, you, you just don't stop. It's been a huge week for you. Oh, it's been a massive week, not just for the Orange Library, but statisticians all over the world. And I reckon the Australian Bureau of Statistics would have had a big week. Um, for people who don't know, that the UN is um, has a statistical commission as part of the UN. And Every five years, on October 20, is World Statistics Day, which uh, highlights the importance of statistics. And last Thursday was that five years. Thursday, October 20, 2022, was World Statistics Day. So, so <laughs> let me get this straight. They celebrate World Statistics Day every five years. So we have Olympic Games every four years, other, other world sporting events at different timelines. But World Stats Day, October 20, every five years. 
Yeah, I think it makes sense in my world because in our statistical world, we know how to party. You know, if you would go to a statistics party, it would take you five years to recover. <laughs> and I, nearly a week on, I am still recovering from the massive parties that was on World Statistics Day. Oh, I can only imagine. I can only imagine the number crunching and some of the dialogue between you ladies and gentlemen in the statistics fraternity. I it, I don't even want to go there, Tabsy. Where, where I do want to go, though, is the winner. Do, do we have an answer to our question from last week, which was around the Australian T20 team and losing like – they'd won something like 13 games in a row, wasn't it, Tabsy, chasing. And we wanted, yeah, to, right. we wanted to find out prior to this summer – when was the last time Australia had lost in a T20 when chasing? Can you reveal the answer and then I can, I can announce the winner on the, the many comments and engagements that we had on, on the various Cricket Library social media channels? Not only can I reveal the answer, I've actually found another stat that goes with oh, that. That's yes, what happened. That's yes. what happened. So... so the last time Australia lost a T20 international chasing was against Bangladesh in August 2021 in Merpool, uh, oh, in Bangladesh. Right. Yep. Uh, and even surprisingly, Bangladesh won that series 4-1. Um, so Bangladesh scored 8 for 122, and Australia only made 62 in reply, so lost by 60. Now, oh, this wow. 62 is also Australia's lowest ever total in a T20 international. Wow. So it took our lowest ever total to beat us, essentially. That's right. They had to bowl us out for 62 to get the win. Oh, wow. That's incredible. And well done to Frankie. Loyal Frankie. loyal listener Frankie. Now, I think, he, I think he's over on the coast somewhere, maybe in and around Newcastle, somewhere, somewhere in and around there. But uh, Frankie... Robbie McKinlay has promised a jar of honey, and I'm sure I'm sure he will deliver the the, the goods there. Um, and we've got a new question coming up later this uh, later in this edition of Tabsy's Take. So looking looking forward to that. But Tabsy, haven't there been some good performances with the ball recently? I reckon. And who would have thought that we would be talking T twenties and talking about fighters? Who would have thought this? Oh, and and Pfeiffer's and from spin bowlers in some instances. It wasn't it the case that when T20 cricket came in, everyone thought the spinners would be cannon fodder and they wouldn't that survive? Was that was the talk. But now it seems that the spinners are the stars of the show. I'm thinking Rashid Khan. Yeah. Uh, look, a lot of people are saying that Adam Zampa's been the best limited overs bowler for Australia uh, in the last year or so. So spinners play a really important part, and they played a very important part for the Thunder getting their first win yes. in WCBL season um, against the defending champions, nonetheless, at, at the Wacker. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how Dylan is responding to that. He would have been there, I would have thought. Yeah, Dylan, Dylan was there. Dylan posted some uh, footage of him being there. And good news for Dylan was that the blow was softened. He, he got some of his cricket trading cards signed by the the Thunder players after the game. Oh, so that was great engagement, great great engagement across the board in the WBBL. But uh, well well done to all the players there for looking after the fans in Perth after the Thunder were just too good, Tabsy. They were just too good. Oh, yeah. And I hope that Dylan got an autograph from Lawrence Smith, who has slow start to the season, only one wicket in the first three games for this season. Uh, but in this game, she she went out and took five for seventeen, uh, which is the best WBBL bowling figures at the Wacker. Oh wow! Didn't know that. That's that's a very good stat. So five for seventeen, and it's a leg spinner. Uh, not not a leg spinner. Here, here's me getting excited about leg spinners. So we'll talk about <laughs> Amanda Jade Wellington in a minute. Yeah. It's an off spinner on the Wacker, the oh, fastest, no, bounciest deck. In the Southern Hemisphere, and Lauren Smith bags five for 17. What a player. What a superstar. 
reckon DK Lily might be having a word to the curator at the Wacker at the moment. Oh, you'd, <laughs> you'd be thinking they'd be speeding it up as we speak. Oh, I reckon, yeah. I wouldn't want to be batting there the next game after DK Lily's had a chat to the curator. <laughs> Oh, now, now the the other five. I was getting preeminently excited about a leg spinner, Tabsy. Now, yeah. t- tell us, tell us about Amanda Jade Wellington. Well, you might have remembered last year on the twenty fourth of November that Amanda Jade Wellington took the best figures in the WBBL history with five for eight yes. against the Heat in the Eliminator in I- the finals. I do remember that. 24th of November, actually, loyal listener Ty from Gloucester. Good evening, Ty from Gloucester. It's it's his birthday. So he would have oh, been celebrating his birthday watching Amanda Jade Wellington take that five for eight. So, yeah, I do remember that quite well. Well, on Monday, it was actually the 24th of October, and I reckon Amanda Jade Wellington would like to play a cricket match every month on the 24th because on that day, on Monday, she took five for eight against the Renegades. She's equal to her own record for the best bowling in WBBL. Well, I've got a, I've got an idea here. The Cricket Library Invitational 11 sometimes play a game on my birthday, the 24th of December. Well, if you have not signed up Amanda Joe Wellington for your side yet, you are doing something wrong. I have stats to say that you need to get Amanda Jade Wellington straight into that side. So Amanda Jade Wellington, if you are listening and you want to take another five for eight, come and join in. Cricket Library Invitation 11. Not everyone gets invited to these games. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But that's that's remarkable that that's happened on the 24th of November, now the 24th of October. Gee whiz. Look yeah, out if look they've out. got another game scheduled on the 24th of November. Yeah, I might have to look into that. That would be nearly finals time too. It would be, yeah. yeah, yeah a a to, top, top four final series as well. Yeah, I've heard this. Yeah, I've heard. I, there was a little bit of confusion on the final <laughs> series, but I'm glad that's, been, glad that's been confirmed as a top four. Next week, I might just have a look to see the dates. We might see if there's another game on the 24th of November to see if the strikers might be aiming for that game instead of the different one. And now we don't normally like talking about good performances from uh, Matt Fiction's mob, England. Um, but Sam Curran, tell tell us about tell us about his situation. Sam Curran, we turned the TV on on Saturday night to uh, to watch this match over in Perth, and England have played 165 T20 internationals. The men have. I'm talking here. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Sam Curran has taken their first ever fifer and a T20 international against Afghanistan. He got five for 10. 165 games before they got their first fifer. Weren't, weren't they one of the early adopters to T20 cricket, Tabsy? I reckon they were the number one. I think they, they, I think they played that in their county system before anyone else had even thought of it. But, yeah, it's taken them 165 games at international level to... To get a fiver. Well, well done, Sam Curran. That yeah. that that is a very impressive list to be top of there. And yeah. any more on that? Yeah, I do. I'm a big fan of if you're going to do something, you do it properly. Yeah, you do it the best. So two women have taken uh, T20 international uh, women's fifers, being um, Anna Shosbull took uh, five. Yeah. Now, Anya Shrubsole is involved with the Sydney Sixers in WBBL, Tabsy. Correct way. Yeah, the New South Wales connection. Didn't Sam Curran play for the Sixers as T- well? TK Curran, his brother, played at the, oh, played right. at the Sixers, easy, yeah. Easy, easy mistake. Easy mistake to make. Yeah. I only look at, I only look at numbers, not names. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Jenny Gunn's taken five for 18. So Sam Curran has the best. Figures for an England bowler in T20 International. He beat the uh, the, uh, the previous two that have been taken for England. Yeah, well, well done to Anya Shrubsole and Jenny Gunn for being top of the queue. I'm tipping. Did, did they? They would have done it inside 165 games, surely. Yeah, I might have to take that one as advisement, but I'm going to say yes. Yeah. Okay. I've got, yeah, I've got a gut feeling on that one. And and you were speaking of watching the cricket over the weekend. I. I decided not to watch any cricket on Saturday night. I thought, ah, uh, 
No, don't, no need to watch Australia v New Zealand. So I'm just assuming Australia won. Well, it's an easy one. Because remember last week I did mention that uh, New Zealand hadn't won in Australia for a very long time. Yeah. So, yeah, unfortunately they've broken their loss of 15 games in all formats of Um And unfortunately it is pretty bad that the winning, that they won by 89 runs, which is the second biggest loss margin oh. Australia has started in T20 International and the highest in Australia. Um, and to rub more salt into the wounds, it was the first time that uh, Australia had been bowled out in a T20 International in Australia since 2017. Oh, gee. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad, um, I'm glad I missed it. Yeah, and it, it probably was right at the start of the game. New Zealand batted first and scored their biggest power play, uh, highest score in a power play in the T20 World Cup match with 65 runs, and Australia conceded their highest first overscore in the T20 when Mitch Staff went to 14. So oh, wow, well, only, only 14 runs the most. Yeah, for Australia in the first innings, in a first over. Yeah, okay. That, I'd say that's not too bad. I, I, I'd i be okay with none for 14 at that level. Well, Australia might have a bit more high standards because <laughs> you know, they've never conceded that many. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a leg spinner should have come on and maybe a, um, wouldn't have gone for 14, would they? No, definitely not. No. No, not in your world. No, but you not... don't have any fast bowlers in your team, do you? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And and now um, we mentioned our friend Matt Fiction, uh, overseas librarian here at the Barberdeen Cricket Library. He's been missing in action, uh, and he's missing in action again tonight. And I'm wondering if it's anything to do with the events of this afternoon. Yeah, well, we talked about Sam Cohen getting England over the line against Afghanistan, but it doesn't look like he could get them against the powerhouses of international cricket, that is Ireland. Ireland have just defeated them tonight by five runs by Duckworth Lewis. Oh, how good is Duckworth Lewis going? That makes me so happy. I I love that. Yeah, it's great. And, And it's great for Australia because after that heavy defeat on Saturday, they nearly have to win every game. Yeah. And the next game for Australia is against the minnows of World T20 in England. Yeah, Is that a bit harsh after they've just lost to Ireland? Or am I getting Matt Fiction a bit offside here in your England? Uh, we've had a spike in England. I hope I haven't just ruined that. Yeah, we might. We, well, we might We might get the any publicity is good publicity audience when they're playing yeah. playing loops of Tabsy's take saying England are minnows and, yeah, and just see yeah. what sort of response on social media we get there. Um, yeah, yeah. I might be off social media this week if uh, Friday night doesn't go too well. But with Marcus <laughs> Doinus, Marcus Doinus in huge form. Oh. I'm backing him, mate. I'm backing him. And if people haven't heard, they played Sri Lanka, got back on the winning ways last night in Perth yep. uh, against Sri Lanka. And M. Stoinis has broken David Warner and Glenn Maxwell and Glenn Maxwell's T20 record for the fastest 50 for Australia. He took 17 balls. 17 balls. That is balls, so yeah. impressive. MP Stoinis yeah. just getting the job done. Yeah, so and he beat David Warner, has done it once, gets the Windies in 2010, and Glenn Maxwell's actually scored 50 off 18 balls twice. Um, oh, wow. Against Pakistan in 2014 and Sri Lanka in 2016. Yeah, wow. Uh, Stoinis just setting the bar very high there, and hopefully that continues. Someone else who set the bar, bar high Tabsy, um, some great finishes over the years that I've enjoyed. MG Bevan, probably the original finisher, would it be fair to say? Oh, yeah. Who would never forget uh, New Year's Day in 1996 at the SCG? Yeah, incredible. Uh, Mahendra Singh Dhoni, a.k.a. MS Dhoni, he just he would just orchestrate run chases meticulously and get his team over the line, be it IPL, be it India. You'd have to say he's up there in the conversation. Yeah, you never you never had a game won against India or in the IPL if uh, Dhoni was still at the crease. Yeah, but there's someone else who's emerged in one of the biggest blockbusters in world cricket over the weekend. Cometh yeah, the hour, cometh the man, so they say. 
Yeah, and I mistakenly went to bed. I, I thought oh. when India was four for 40, yeah. chasing 160, no chance. I gave it to Paki. Pakistan have never beaten India in a World Cup match of any variety. Not They've finally done it. But I made a fatal mistake and forgot that Virat Kohli was batting in a T20 World Cup and trying to do a chase, chasing a total down. Yeah. And the mistake is, is that if he's at the crease chasing, he's going to get him home most times and he's not going to get out. Which is amazing. Now, do you, no, this sounds like an opinion. I need some data. Oh, give, give me some data. data. So he has batted in T20 World Cup. He's batted nine times in successful run chases for India. Yeah. And in that, in those nine, he's only been dismissed once, and he averages 518. Oh, <laughs> 518. Yeah, in successful run chases for India in the T20 World Cup. Now, I reckon that is comparable with the great finishes of history in in limited overs cricket. I say good luck beating that. That is incredible. That is massive. And and the way he goes about it too. uh, It's just precision. It is is so easy on the eye watching Virat Kohli bat. It's, yeah, we don't want to see him get out really. Except when Australia's playing against India, I guess. Apologies to our loyal listeners in India who... Oh, hang on a sec. Is that... Sounds like we had uh, former Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle butting his way into the conversation (laughs) there. (laughs) That did sound a bit like uh, Kurt Angle music play there. So that might be the unofficial signal for... This week's competition, Tabsy. Have you have you got have you got a, a question for us and our listeners this week? Yes, I do. So we're going back to Australia, New Zealand, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, this was New Zealand's first win in Australia in any format in eleven years oh, in sixteen yeah. matches. Um, so they're one in fifteen now. Um, so the question I've got for your loyal listeners uh, today, and I think Frankie are you eligible again. Frank, Frank, yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in, um, if you're the best, you're the best, and so if Frankie wants to jump on and get in quickly, and show us he's the best, I say good luck to him. Yeah, good. Yeah, we're not a political. This, this, this is know, not a. This is not a participation award segment. This is a. This is a serious competition, where we want to oh, have. We want we want to have we want to have this 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 to be prestigious, and we're not just going to share it round. No, this is rivaling great game shows like Star of the Century, Family Feud, Real of Fortune, all these game shows. The Chase, which is on now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you if you if you're the best, you get the win. Yeah. So anyway, going back to it, um, I want to know when was New Zealand's last win in Australia, and which New Zealand debuted in that match. And so it's in men's men's cricket of any format? Any format. The three format three formats were played back then. Okay. So wh- wh- when did they last win? What was the game and the format? And which New Zealand player debuted? Well, get your thinking caps on. Head to at the cricket library and Cricket Library podcast on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. I dare say TikTok. Yes, I'm saying we're on TikTok. Get around us on TikTok and tell us the answer. And and you, you, you could have Robbie McKinlay's Rob B's honey delivered to your door as soon as the bees start making some. <laughs> yeah, I hope they get done. I just need to add there, it's, it's a game against Australia. It has to be a game against Australia. Yeah. Okay. No, that's a good. Yep. That's a good little clarification yep. there. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, get your thinking hats on, as you as as we said. We'll get that out there on all the platforms. And thank you once again, Tabsy. It's been another great take, and looking forward to seeing the ratings rise once again in the UK on the back of this wonderful segment. I can't wait, and thank you very much for another great day of. 
statistics and I'm going back to recover from World Statistics Day. Hey Matt, how are you? It's your Olympic hero Kurt Angle. And I hear you write haiku poetry about your favorite sport cricket. And your poems are awesome and some of them are published. I want to encourage you to write more poems and continue sharing your love of cricket with the world. And if Cricket Library were an Olympic sport, you would be a gold medalist. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. (laughs) Well, Robbie, you know what time it is. It's time for us to wrap it up. That's what time it, time it is. So we've probably only got another so seven, another 17 minutes of chat before we actually say goodbye. <laughs> but a massive thanks to Tabsy. How good is Tabsy's take going, Robbie? It is on fire. I love it. I'm starting to I'm, – I'm, I'll, I'll never outdo him with stats. That's the thing. I, I think you just got to accept that. So um, I, I believe he's working on an absolute beauty for next week already. So let's just watch this space. And, and the answer to get those answers to the trivia questions in. Frankie got the correct answer this week. Uh, loyal listener oh. from around the Hunter region, Newcastle area, I do believe, Frankie. Um, and you're looking after the prize, I've been told, Robbie. And yeah. um, huge thank you to Heather Graham. Uh, always wonderful to have our stars of the WBBL joining us on the Cricket Library Weekly. And, um, yeah, some some great insights there from Heather. Ah, Heather, great. Yeah, an absolute star. I, lo- I just love watching her play. Um, and, yeah, she might just impact this WBBL yet, just a little bit further. Yeah, I, I dare say she will have a big mm. say in the final stages of the WBBL competition, the Weber WBBL competition. And on that note, on behalf of all of us here at the Cricket Library, this has been Matt Ellis and Robbie McKinlay. Look forward to your company next time and bye for now.